0: Thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode 25 of Coaching Connections, the big 2-5. I am so grateful for everybody that's shown love and that's shown support. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. On episode 25, we have Mr. Orlando Mendez Valdez of San Antonio, Texas. He is a legend as far as I'm concerned here in town. He is a professional basketball player in Mexico, uh, played for the Mexican national team, has had himself a phenomenal career He's an outstanding person, real genuine, real humble. Um, he, we talk about his childhood. We talked about his playing journey. We talked about a lot of the things in his life that have helped influence him and, and some of the obstacles he had to overcome and how he overcame them. And it's just a great conversation between the two of us. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. Episode 25, Orlando Mendez Valdez, Coaching Connections. Let's get after it. Yo. What's up, bro? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Nice, nice. Let me. me How are you doing? I'm good, man. Just cleaning around the house and trying to stay busy. I hear you. You been doing all right? Yeah, man. Just getting back from a workout and
1: trying to deal with free agency right now. So It's got a a lot on my plate
0: mentally, so I'm just trying to figure out
1: how everything's going to kind of
0: align, I guess. No, no doubt. I, I hear that. I don't understand the free agency stuff. I've never been there, but I can imagine it's, uh, <laughs> it can be stressful.
1: It is, man. It really is. It all.
0: Well, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you taking some time to talk, talk about life and hoops and the journey and the whole deal. So, so much love. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, this whole COVID thing. How has your life changed during COVID? What have you been doing to stay busy? You know, stay active, staying on top of your workouts. You, uh, Ben's watching TV shows? I mean, what have you been doing? <laughs>
1: man, you know, uh, just like anyone else, right? Just trying to take all the protocols to uh, stay busy, man. Stay, uh, stay active. Trying to have some structure for our kids. Um, trying to pivot and adjust to, like, whatever was thrown our way, yeah. right? And everyone that was affected, small businesses, which my wife and I are uh, small businesses here and um, it was tough. It was tough. I think more than anything was that, the mental health, like, you know, there's days where, you you know, it doesn't even feel like a Friday. You don't even know what day it is. Like it was just like the the unknown part, you know, not knowing like, Hey, this is the timeline of when things are going to get back to normal and, um, you know, trying to adjust like, you know, where my wife and I are both uh, self-employed, so uh, our kids are here at home with us, and you know we're we're used to it to a certain like degree. But um, it was just you know for them as well; they're getting restless or getting mm-hmm. bored, and it was just like you know trying to pivot to uh, understand like how to do their work online, and uh, it was a lot at once. But um. Uh, we got ahead ahead uh, of the curve by just taking like small,
0: simple steps. It's tough, you know. I'm just trying to stay home as as much as I can, unless I need to go and, you know, without living a life of fear, right? Still going out and, and getting things done that I need to get done, but you know, make sure my kids are safe and and like you said, they're getting rambunctious. They've been home since spring break, and uh, you know, they can only play with these things so so much. So we try to do things. Right? We went went out into the woods, rented a cabin for a little bit kind of got to the outdoors, went to the river, you know, swam, try to mix it up, you know, but only so much we can do, right? Yeah. Amen to that. Let's talk about your, uh you know, your childhood. You know, uh, let's describe a little bit about where you grew up. You know, what did your childhood look like? Um, any influences you had in your life, just in general, and also uh, pushing you towards basketball as well.
1: Uh, so I grew up, uh, the Alizanas, uh, projects um, right there on Guadalupe San Marcos, which is by JT Brackenbridge and Tafoya Middle School. And uh, the high school is Lanier High School. Um, You know, I was born in San Antonio uh, from immigrants from Mexico, which uh, my mom was a single mother uh, with six kids. Um, You know, we relied a lot on uh, government and the uh, stuff was icing, housing, and uh, it was tough, man. You know, during those years, it was, uh, even though you weren't a part of a lot of things, it was just like uh, being at, at the wrong place at the wrong time. There's a, there a lot of movement going on. Uh, There's a lot of gangs, drive-bys. Uh, it was tough, you know, and for me, it was like, I I learned quick to be able to recognize uh, before something bad happened so i was always alert and to like hey i need to get away from here or i shouldn't hang around with this person um so i definitely had that quality that i had to pick up quick because i, I was never that kid that you know would put himself out there where i felt like i had to prove myself some way like in the street con like code yeah I I was I was always timid, afraid, and 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 I knew, hey, when I see danger, I'm out of there. Yeah. So that that was the best part about it. And you know, my my getaway was the basketball. Um, I started off playing soccer, uh, but it, I learned quickly that you know, with soccer, you always needed another friend or or more players to play that sport. And basketball was that one sport where it's like, hey, if I have a ball, there's so many parks around me and I could go and shoot and uh it was something I could do and isolate myself mentally
0: yeah and uh any I guess you know your mother was a big influence in your life I'm sure Uh, any any, uh influences that kind of helped also uh you know mold you and and keep you out of that danger and, and and help teach those things
1: yeah for sure man there was uh there was always this program You know, I'll start really early, like elementary um, where they would take pick up kids from my neighborhood and then take them to like this center where they had pool tables, ping pong, basketball, flag football. Um, That was probably the first time or the first kind of uh, people that kind of just like, hey, there's other things you can do. uh, So you're not always constantly around or surrounded by your environment and that program w- was neat, man, because it was it was something that would get me out and be able to experience and, and see other people and play with other kids from different parts of the city. Uh, it, was, it was somewhat like a Parks and Recs program. Uh, but and then, you know, when I went to middle school, that's when I, I, I found this PE coach, which is now, you know, a father figure to me that, you know, saw a talent in me in PE class, uh, when I would play basketball and he, uh, slowly, you know, try to gain my confidence and slowly try to like, Hey, you need to try out for the basketball team. You need to, you know, you 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 have something that, um, you have a gift, you know, you you need to take advantage of that and and start getting organized basketball. Uh, and you know, at that time I was, I was stubborn, man. I was a knucklehead. It, he he invited me for the first official practice, and I didn't go. Uh, I just blew it off. I went with my friends and played street ball. And um, I love basketball, right? But I I just didn't want that structure. I didn't want somebody, that authority, someone on me telling me, "Hey, be here at this time." You know, I was a street kid. Yeah. Um, but he went to my house after that practice, went looking for me. I asked my mom, "Hey, why did he go? Where was he?" And, you know, and, and he, I, I found out later that he had, went by and, you know, I was like, man, this dude's not giving up. He's like persistent. He's like, I'm just going to go just to like keep him quiet, like shut him up so he, he can just go away. And I went and sure enough, man, I, I, I loved it. And I loved the players, my, a lot of my friends to this day from that team. And uh, it was a
0: blessing. Nice. Uh, let's talk about your, your playing journey, you know, uh, high school, college, you know, professional and on, you know, just talk a little bit about uh, where basketball's taken taking you so far.
1: Man. Uh, so I would say like the pinnacle of my career would have been my freshman year. I came in with two other freshman kids that, you know, uh, just were a lot bigger than me physically, more advanced skill-wise. Um and they all got to play JV, and one played varsity during the playoffs. And you know, if I didn't have someone of that support like my my, my dad, um, I possibly would have quit because of that jealousy of like, hey, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Why are they playing varsity or JV and I'm not? Right? You know. And I, he was able to shift that energy of like, look, that's that's not how you go about this. You you need to continue this progress of just going to the gym, working out, keep it simple, keep advancing. And it was one of those kind of things where it's like, okay, like, uh, this is what I want, you know. I, I want, this is what I want, and I'm gonna go after it. And you know, I think a lot of kids when they're in that situation, they don't have that parent or that mentor to help guide them into shifting that energy right um Mm -hmm. they they change it to a different energy uh path and and it's like a self-destruction or it's too much of a of a hate and a jealousy route that it just kind of limits you and and it keeps you there uh and it just totally changes that mindset so I, i think like in high school that was that pinnacle for me and uh and and slowly, like I matured physically. Uh, I grew like six inches over the summer. Um, and, and one thing that you would know, right, like from being a coach, is that when you come in as a middle schooler and you're like six one they automatically, you know, want to put you in the post,
0: yeah. right?
1: Especially coming for Lanier, right? I, yeah. I mean, Lanier is all, you know, five ten and under guards and centers.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't get very so many luckily, splitters, yeah.
1: Yeah, so luckily I, I grew already established like that um hey i'm a guard yeah i'm not a center i knew i know i grew but i have all the skill set to be a guard and luckily that happened within that timing because i stayed in that position and i just kept getting better uh at at those two
0: positions nice and and going back to what you were saying about your dad helping you shift that energy on how to Overcome those obstacles, and, and like you said, it is important because if if a young uh, person doesn't have that, then they can end up going towards the street or or quitting, or or, or you also see the parents that they'll you know, they'll blame the coaches, right? Well, my kid's just as good. Don't don't listen to him, Mijo. You're fine. Uh, so then the kid just kind of stays in that place and never learns how to work through it. So having having your dad there to tell you, like, no, that you don't do that. You, you got to work and keep working and trust the process and, and keep building, and it'll pay off. And, and obviously it did. Um, so it's, it's crucial that, that, that people are able to have this. Beautiful, on, um, and Mr. Valdez is in, for sure. Um, yeah. And then after high school, well, where did you go? Oh, Well, first off, you guys, uh, you a part of that state run? You were a sophomore? I was. I was a freshman, freshman. that got called up.
1: Uh, just because, you know, Coach Bernard, which is, you know, the head coach Antonian that was on, on your podcast, uh, obviously he still saw something in me. I think he saw like, hey, this is this scrappy kid that doesn't give up. And I think he was insightful enough to be able to see the – and be proactive into like, hey, if I bump him up, for this playoff run, even though he's not going to play, <laughs> he's not going to do anything, but at least he gets to see the competition, at least he feels that energy, that vibe of what this kind of team is. Um, I think that's why he did it and and it helped me a lot, honestly, it was a big confident boost, and you know those older guys that were part of that that team were it was amazing man it was it was kids that I can identify myself to. I mean, kids from the streets and single-parent household, and it was these kids that had this chip on their shoulder where it's like, nobody's going to give us anything. Like, we're going to have to earn it. And then when we earn it, no one's going to consider it like it, uh, respectful. was always going to be like a fluke. They're not going to take it serious. So it's yeah. like, you got to do it again. So I, it was awesome to see those kind of role models. Uh, and obviously someone that I could identify myself to were
0: those players. And they are tough. I mean, those Lanier teams at that time were were just tough. I mean, like you said earlier, not a whole lot of six-footers come through Lanier. Uh, same with with our school, right? Um, uh, but, but that that group that you're talking about was just, you know, how would you describe that chemistry that that team had? Because you were undersized in every game you played, especially in the playoffs, going to the state uh, Final Four and the state championship uh Um, beating Chris Boss's team at one point. I mean, how would you describe not having that size and the athleticism? You had something else, and what would you say that was?
1: I mean, they had a lot of heart, man. That's the number one thing was the heart. They were tough. They didn't back down from a challenge. Uh, And and most of all, I think they had trust within each other. I think uh, each person knew their role. And each person trusts that that person was gonna fill up that role and mm-hmm. bring it right. Um, you had Lou Martinez that was just this scrappy pest on defense and not skilled at all, but this dude would run through a wall, hit a six ten guy, you know. And then you had Josh Martinez, who was super smart, high IQ point guard, uh, knew how to use his tools. He was real resourceful. He was a quiet, not vocal leader, but he sh- he led by action. And then you had these two bigger centers that were, you know, had that grit of like the football mentality where it was like, and it was perfect for for their positions. Uh, and then it was just, it was awesome to be able to see the, all those pieces kind of uh, together and, and trust each other. And outside of basketball, it was just nonstop basketball. I mean, I used to go with them to the streets and playing parks here and there, drive here, play there. So uh, it definitely isn't like today's basketball. You know, uh, I, I think I could speak for them where they, they didn't have <laughs> trainers, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, it was just like constant basketball. And and it was just like, you. We, we learned off of all the OGs in the park, right? Like that one chubby old man that for some reason he never misses a bank shot yeah (laughs) Yeah. that slow dude that does the slowest spin but you just can't stop it I mean it was just little things
0: here and there that those were our trainers it was like oh yeah man (laughs) that's funny and then uh, talk about after high school you know you went on to college and then and then after that so there's
1: another pinnacle point too after high school was like hey I I It was one of those moments where, you know, I went over the list of my goals that I wanted to accomplish with my dad. You know, I was an All-State player, first team. I was player of the year San Antonio. Um, I I don't remember the stats, but, you know, I had the credentials, right? And Mm -hmm. I was, I remember they called us to do like a photo shoot for Express News and you know, I see all the guys around the city from each school that got first team all state, first team city, and everybody's going somewhere. Like everybody has committed to a school, right? D two, D one, some JUCO, and I'm over here like, what is going on? Like I'm I'm player of the year, and I don't have not one offer, yeah. like anything. So like that was another pinnacle of my 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 path too, where it's like, Shh, man, what what am I doing right? Like I. I Obviously, I, I'm not getting respected or uh, I'm getting overlooked. I don't know what's happening. Like, uh, so I decided to go a prep, to a prep school in North Carolina. And, and that was a cultural shock for me. But I was, I was around the exposure I needed, uh, meaning that the prep school would play against like Mount Zion, um, Lauren Bird Institute, where uh, Tony Crocker went. Mm -hmm. um all these prep schools right that had at least six division one athletes five star four star so that exposure like gave me what i needed because once i proved myself there and and i was doing very well there and we were winning you know the offers the exposure started coming and it was just like okay like uh, you know this is this is an awesome feeling like okay i i i do belong here. I do have a future, and and most in all, like I'm gonna get a scholarship, full ride to get my education. So and then I I decided to commit to Western Kentucky, um, and it was another cultural shock. Like the speed of Division One, right? The physicality was totally different. It was just kind of like a wake up call. Uh, the demand that the coach wanted from you, physically, mentally, um, and then you know each coach sees the qualities, the strengths in you when they're recruiting you. And then some try to improve those skills or some just want you to be molded into a certain player that they envision in you. Uh, you know, and then that out goes along with the system. That goes along for what's your responsibility. And, and I just didn't see eye to eye my freshman year with what my responsibility, my role was in, in college. But uh, I accepted that offer. I went there and... Uh, is one and i think all that adversity all the obstacles before, prior to all that was something that helped me once again like hey let's shift that energy yeah and um for the better
0: i think it's it's good um for younger people to hear this part of your story i mean because and we'll get to this later i mean you're i mean you, you play at a real high level um you know international hero as far as we're concerned, and, um, you know, but you had some bumps in the road, and, and your freshman year in high school um, didn't re- get recruited out of high school. Had to go to prep school. Had to work your way and and um, believe in yourself and your abilities and your gifts, and and had to work through those tough moments where, you know, some people in similar situations quit. And um, so I think it's real important for for people to hear that part and hear about the grind and and what it takes and. And what's possible if you don't, you know, quit on yourself and whatnot? Sure, no doubt. Western Kentucky, you know, you big dance, played a couple times, and then after Western Kentucky, what happened?
1: So uh, my junior year, the coach that recruited me and was there for three years decides to take a head coaching job at South Carolina. And this coach from UT uh, at the time under Rick Barnes uh lands the job at western kentucky um and i think that was just that like what i needed Mm -hmm. right as a as a player i mean this guy was like what what is going on here like you can play the point guard and the shooting guard you're like you're a combo guard you know at that time it was kind of like a lot of systems weren't playing with two point guards on the same time on the floor And this guy's coming from UT when at that time they had like Augustine and they had uh Gibson, I think. Uh so they had players that fit that mode of like, hey, I could put him off of screens, I could come on he could come off pin downs, or he can play off the pick and roll. Yeah. And you could feed off the another point guard that's gonna be able to visual, see one step ahead. So it was just that system was like perfect for me. And and he gave me full reins of like, hey, look, you're a senior. This is your team. I want you to take full control of leadership and uh, you know, put your DNA into it and, and just imprint this team of yours. And it was just like, man, I, I needed that at that time. I needed a coach that had that 100% confidence in you. Uh, and most of all, feel like you're playing your game, right? Because yeah. he didn't really say like, hey, you're going to play point guard. 30 minutes of the game, right? It was just always pivoting, adapting to who we're playing against, what we needed at the time. So there's times where I'll play the two-guard and just coming off staggers, pin downs, and there's times where I'll bring the ball up and play pick and roll, horn set, and it was just an awesome feeling to be a part of that. And um, so senior year goes great, fantastic, right? Uh, Towards the end of the season, we're about to start our conference tournament and I find out that I have a meniscus tear. It's my senior year. I weigh all my options. I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't disappoint my teammates. I got to finish this. So I play it. We win the championship. We're going to the big dance. And here I am with like, you know, a need, I need surgery. I'm like, you know what, let's, I'm going to see it through. I'm going to play. And those two games that we played in the end, we beat Illinois the first round, and then we lost to Gonzaga at the buzzer in the second round. But those two games, I think the first game, I almost had a triple-double against Illinois, and then the second game, Gonzaga, I just was on fire.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when I tell you, like, a night-and-day kind of thing, it was exactly like that. The next day when we lost, I had flooded uh, calls from agents. I had uh, – NBA teams, like, talking about summer camps, talking about tryouts. You know, it all came at once. And it was just something I wasn't ready for mentally. And then at the time, physically, right, I, I get done with these two games. And my knee, I, I can't go up or down steps anymore. It's just locking on me. There's too much pain. So, like, long story short, it just – those two games brought my stock up so much where it was, like, here I am thinking, like, hey, I'm just going to go back to my hometown be a teacher high school coach at Lanier give back help somebody else out like my journey and I have these two games I just like wait a minute like I have all these people calling me that I, I could possibly play pro and I decided to have the surgery on my meniscus and then during that surgery it just overlapped with all the the summer league and all that so I wasn't able to play that and then it just it was like night and day, just it just shifted back. It was like now there's only a handful of agents that want to yeah. take on me. And now it's like, hey, it's not really the NBA now, now it's like Europe or Mexico. And so it was it was crazy, right? Like um, so I hired this agent and I'm getting offers from Lithuania, Spain, uh, Germany, uh, Latvia. Um, so I, I'm getting all these offers and then here's this offer from Mexico, and it just like Money-wise, is just like double or triple of any of these other teams, right? So, mm. when you're coming out of college, it's uh, when you're in my kind of bracket for looking for a job, quote unquote. It's like these guys are like teams. I'm meaning like they want you to come to this team and they sell you on this. Like, hey, this is the this is what we can pay you. It's not much, but we're giving you this platform of opportunity to be watched by all these teams and you know the next year is what you'll make all your money right yeah and and it is true in a lot of ways and and in a lot of ways it's not so i decided like hey i already had so many injuries so many surgeries like i don't know if i can face this adversity of like the decline the triumph the here's another surgery or here's another battle or i was tired mentally physically so at that time, I go with the money. I go with Mexico, the team that's going to pay me the most. And then, you know, any professional will tell you, too, that plays overseas anywhere. It's like you, you, you start realizing how much job security uh, it has when you're playing as a local. And then as a the local, it's just like you're, you're not considered, you know, each league has their rules of like, hey, you're only allowed three foreigners per roster. Right, So if I was to go to Spain, Germany, wherever, I'll be considered a foreigner. So now my job of possibly of 10 spots of a roster is down minimized to three spots in the roster. So it's more competition and there's always a young kid coming in that's you know, high energy, everything. So I, I made the call of like the job security, the money, uh, because I'm able to play with uh, my Mexican passport because I have dual citizenship. Um, So Ray Castillo, which you're familiar with, right? And Sergio Sanchez, Ray's playing on this team at the time. And he's the one telling me, hey, bro, like, like this team is incredible. They pay on time. Like, it's just a great organization. Like, you're going straight into like the top tier of a team in Mexico. And unlike me, where I didn't have somebody guide me or tell me like, hey, these are the teams that pay. These are the ones that don't. These are professional you have that opportunity to go straight into it, right because Sergio at the time uh, Sergio and Ray they had to kind of work their way up the ladder right uh, and it, and it's not because they didn't have the talent or the skill set or they weren't good enough, it was just at, at that pinnacle of that path they didn't have that one person that knew all the ins and outs that was able to guide them to the right place, yeah. so they were able to do that for me, and i mean i I, I think Ray you know, for being so persistent and trying to get me to that team because it, it, it was a, a blessing, man. It was a, a great organization.
0: Both great guys, super talented, you know, proud to call them friends. A uh, couple of fellow Southsiders that can just play. Those guys could shoot the heck out of the ball, you know. Yeah. As can you, though. I mean, all of you guys shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, I always tell my friends, like, you know, I like to consider myself a shooter, right? You know, so me and Serge, even though we're getting older, uh, we would link up in the mornings. He'd come up to the school six o'clock, and we get a workout in, shooting workout, and and uh, we'll we'll do shooting competitions. And I get him every now and then, but I just you know can't beat him most of the times. You know, you know, uh, eight out of ten times he's gonna beat me. And it's not like I can't shoot the ball. That dude, he's I mean, just <laughs> shoots lights out. we are
1: both great shooters, though. So. Just you uh, can tell just off of the forms and just the the mechanics of.
0: Oh yeah. Of everything. And then you get Ray, who's about 6'6", you know, long and lanky. You know, changes everything. Oh, for yeah. you. So then, so then you played pro ball, and then you, you also played uh, for the national team in Mexico. Uh, talk about that experience. What, what was that like? What did it mean to represent the country and, and play it on the world stage? Man, F. incredible, incredible. Uh, I mean,
1: as simple as just traveling with, with guys that you consider family now, Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to experience all these cultural differences uh, the way people live in different countries um and and best of all it's like you're you're not coming out of anything out of your pocket financially right so it's like you know i think a lot of people take that for granted you know you're able to do all these wonderful play at these stay at these wonderful hotels and uh the way you're living is just incredible and and then, along with that, being able to play like with legendary players at every level. Like I mean, we—I've had the opportunities to play against. I mean, Argentina, Brazil, um, man, there's so many. I mean, uh, well, Greece, Italy, um, and man, it's just—it's—it's it's mind-boggling to me because sometimes like in the united states you think because usa is always winning and you know and it and, and it's not entirely because of basketball it's not entirely because of skills it's just because usa just has so many athletes
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know just and i'm obviously the top tier of the nba have phenomenal players right where they're skilled they're athletic they have the total package when you go below that of the nba they're all role players and 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 nowadays too there's there's a lot of players in the nba that strictly play in that league because they do two great things right they could either block or disrupt shots at the rim and rebound yeah but they cannot make a free throw yeah they cannot make any kind of skill set down low where it's not a dunk Mm -hmm. so like you're you go into this world like, "Oh man, I'm coming from playing in the United States Division One, all this like like to like, hey, I'm playing against Argentina, and the dude across from me looks like he just plays at the y m c a or or twenty four seven fitness, right like I'm gonna run circles through this guy, but man, was it eye opening when I first joined the national team and played against a team like Brazil or Argentina, where these guys were just like if they were to put like a radius of how much they move within the offense it out it would be like five steps minimum within a half court set yeah. right like if this guy was coming off of pick and roll hitting the three ball coming off a of pick and roll hitting the roll guy coming off a of pick and roll hitting the corner guy it was just like phenomenal to see like what the heck like and then you and then you watch this like oh maybe you don't believe it right you're like ah. Uh, they're doing it against me. I want to see what they do to these crazy athletes that have the wingspans of this and can cover so much ground. And sure enough, they do the same thing to them. They, they make, the, they make the, the basketball aspect so boring and simple. But if you really appreciate basketball, it's a beautiful thing to watch, man. It's like chess. And... I think that's been the best experience that I've had playing internationally. is is being is playing against like a Luis Cola, um, who's a. Uh, there's another one, uh, Campasso, that plays for Real Madrid, uh, Madrid right now as a point guard. played played against him eight years. JJ Berea played against him for like ten years straight. Uh, Carlos Arroyo comes to mind too. I mean, there's just so many guys I'm forgetting too that was just like incredible to to see that international basketball uh and see these coaches of like not relying so much on you know these skilled six ten guys that they were having to coach they were having to watch film they were having to just change up and strategize against these i mean athletes and it was just you you start seeing like man like basketball is it's a worldwide sport and you can learn a lot from a lot of different uh, countries and coaches that are not even, you know, a lot of people don't even know about.
0: Yeah. And the game so much – sorry, the game has grown so much globally. Um, I mean, you've seen teams that have given the states, you know, some runs for the money uh, when before they, it was pretty dominant. Not to say that they don't always win, obviously, you know, but yeah. you just see across, across the globe uh, – how much the game has grown, and how popular the game of basketball it is, and, and how beautiful it can be uh, when you watch it in that in that regard. And you know, when you see those guys running this stuff, it might seem kind of boring, and it might seem kind of uh, you know, and eh, not a whole lot of action going on. But it's effective and it's beautiful. A uh, lot of lot of what the, what they say about the Spurs at, at times when when we were going on those championship runs, and and uh, eh, it's kind of boring basketball. But you saw the ball movement and the body movement, and uh, to me that's that's beautiful right there.
1: It is, man. It's, I, I appreciate it. And it's probably because I identify myself a lot as a player because you're, I'm not going to go down the lane and just dunk on somebody, right? <laughs> that's just not who I am. And, and I know my limits and my strengths, right? And I think that's why I've been playing for so long. But, you know, I think I'm biased towards that because I can identify myself and I'm rooting for those kind of guys and, and that type of basketball. And, you know, you're seeing more and more in the NBA, apart from the business political side where they're marketing and, you know, want to take over every country and the NBA be just on a super platform marketing-wise. Apart from that, I mean, you got players that are demonstrating it by giving results. I mean, you you name all the big guys nowadays in the NBA, like, all the skill set ones, they're all from a, a, another country.
0: Yeah. And you see... uh. Like Jokic, I, I like watching that guy play. Although I don't know what he's gonna look like now; he's lost a lot of weight. I used to <laughs> like to watch him. I used to like to watch him bang in the paint, but also step out and hit a three. And and he had such soft hands and dropping dimes. I mean, he's he was a tough young guy. Um, yeah, Sabonis,
1: remember Sabonis, man, Sabonis um, would
0: be giant. Enough. He was huge. Yeah,
1: huge the passes he would make. It was just man. That, it was things like that. It was just like. Sh-
0: yeah, I love
1: it. I love all that aspect of basketball and players like that.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some coaches along your along your journey that have made impacts in your life, either as a player or, or as a man in general. Uh, but coaches along your journey.
1: Um, start from the bottom, man. Uh, meaning at bottom as in like the first steps of my career was you know Rudy J. Bernal. He was so fundamental, so disciplined. Uh, traditional, that he provided tools that I needed to this day in my career. Um, Just the work ethic, uh, the accountability. Uh, He's definitely one that I still have a relationship to this day, right? Um, He's turned into a mentor, father figure as well. And I think uh, apart from him, uh, my senior year coach is another one that, I love because he is just genuine. he's just a real dude. Like you know you you come across a lot of coaches in this industry of college where once they get you as a recruit, it's just something just flips and it's just not the same person anymore. Yeah, I, all these home visits, all these restaurants that you're eating, talking, it just for whatever reason, it just switches off, like it's just a whole different. You know, and I and I get it. There's stress, there's a lot of responsibility within that job and results. And you know, I think the better coaches are able to stay poised and calm and not that not let that interfere with the personal relationship with the players. And I think uh my senior year coach had that quality. You know, he, he wasn't as good X's and O's as the first coach that I had, but a player relationship kind of coach. It was just a different type of love. You know, it was a a different type of motive to be able to win games for him, right? Um, He was another one that to this day I still talk to. My national team coach was another one where he really kind of implemented where a team chemistry is, where, you know, we would all eat breakfast together, same table, uh, same... uh, clothes, uniforms that we're going to eat with, no headphones, no cell phones. He would do this game where, you know, you'll put the cell phone in a basket in the middle of the table, and the first person that picks it up or touches it is paying for the whole bill of the team. Yeah, I like it. So that was one of those little small details, right, that he has many of those that was like, hey, if I ever get into this coaching gig, a lot of this stuff I'm going to enforce. Now, it's tricky because this day of basketball, these kind of kids, now, I, it, it's different. You're, I mean, as a coach, if you want to be successful and you want to get like the players that you're going to need, you've got to be able to be flexible, right? Because not everybody's going to be able to just be molded into that type of atmosphere uh, that you require. So it's tricky, but little things I like add, like, hey, you're going to go to an interview be there 15 minutes before have your shirt your shirt tucked in uh represent you know yourself the club everybody the right way it was a lot of fundamentals like that that you just like it you know the other thing was like we're we gonna have a team dinner it's like everybody's gonna pay pitching the same amount nobody's gonna feel left you you try to take care of the rookies or the young guys that haven't made money um it was just it, so many little things that I think that was like uh, another coach of mine that comes to mind where it's like it helped me on with the basketball, but I implement all that, you know, with my kids and our household as well uh, to this day.
0: So so it sounds like, you know, uh, you kind of alluded to it a couple of times that there is an interest at some point to maybe coach. Is, is this uh, something you've thought about?
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm so used to, you know, I, I, I have an entrepreneur mindset yeah. and, you know, I want to be able to, what I put into something, I, I want to see the results because of my hard work of because of my blood, sweat and tears. I want my DNA to be implemented in whatever I do. And coaching, and depending on what level it is, I feel like you had to have the right AD if its college or you had to have the right uh, principal in, in high school to be able to have that freedom to do, right? And mm-hmm. I hear a lot of things that float around where it's like, it, it's not that easy, right? It's not so black and white. And I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can, I can, you know, I'm 34 years old. and And I say that because, I'm going to go into another industry and be a rookie pretty much. Right. And I don't know if I can do that transformation into like, now I have to put up with this or put up with that. And I don't agree with it, but because I'm a rookie, I got to do it. Right. Like kind of thing. So
0: I, I love the idea of it. Well, you do you do host a camp. You've hosted a camp uh, over on uh, the side of town that you grew up in. Your neighborhood. Talk about that a little bit. What it meant to to host that camp and and give back to the kids in that community.
1: I mean, uh, I think my wife would be the first one. My dad would be the second to tell you. Like, when you when you talk about, I'm emotionally disconnected. I, I have issues, man. Like, <laughs> I for some reason like I just hide my emotions very well right and i'm just leaning to because when i did this camp it was an outburst of emotion where it was like it 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 brought me to tears man like it got me emotional because i was able to do something like this and seeing those kids and 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 sometimes like my dad you know always on me and telling me like look you, you don't understand like how much weight your voice carries right like you don't understand what you are you could mean to some of these kids and You know i see myself like it's just i'm just a kid that just made it out and i'm just a regular dude like i don't i don't ever put myself in that role that platform but you know when i did that i felt that instant gratification where it was like man like i need to do this more often right like i i need to put myself where because that brings fulfillment to me to my soul to be able to give back to be able to help somebody and there's nothing else like it. There's not an amount of dollar sign behind it. There's not any, it's just, it's it's this fulfillment that I get being able to help somebody out that uh, all in all, it's like it it went beyond basketball. (laughs) Like, honestly, I don't even remember the basketball part of it. i just remember like how excited the kids were and, so long story short, like, man, like, it was an awesome experience. I just, with my schedule, it got so chaotic the next year where I went to Israel to play, and, you know, that season's 10 months. And then I, I rejoined the national team when we had this World Cup that we had to go uh, play in. And so my schedule just, like, got crazy busy. But that is definitely something that I want to do. And at that time – I did everything out of my own pocket because I didn't want anybody to have any say so. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, in a bad way, I just didn't want, I didn't want it to not feel genuine yeah. you know, coming from me. But what I realized doing it is that there are so many people that want to just help. There's so many people that brought like water to the camp, like little things like helping, I mean, volunteering to coach, like. I, I I was so disconnected of me just trying to do this on my own that it's like, man, dude, like, there's like a whole community of people that are just are genuinely, like, want to give and, and they want to be part of a cause. And so, like, when I do this again, like, I, I think I'm going to do
0: it where I involve more people. Yeah. Well, it's a great thing. It's always good. And it feels great to give back to your community. You know, kind of why me and Ike, we did that bas- – we do that basketball tournament – uh, yeah, and I love people. that, man. It's just a way to get back, you know, and and involving the community in the process without them. They think they're just playing ball, but really, you know, they're giving back too, and they're they're part of a bigger cause. And, and so it's fun. It's fun to give, Dude, to give back. I see that from
1: afar, and it just makes me super happy Like that you guys were able to build it to what it is now. It's yeah. incredible, man. I, I remember going and uh, watching some games as well, watching y'all play, and just to try to support in any way that I could. And it was just, I mean, it's, it's amazing what you guys have done, and it's amazing that you have a lot of friends and relationships that you guys all want the same common goal and have the
0: same vision, and it's just to give back and help somebody else. Out, incredible. Talk about uh, you know, you, you guys started this organization with Western Kentucky. And I saw you posted it yesterday or the day before. Um, what, what what is that all about uh, as far as the the whole deal.
1: So, you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now, it's like, you know, it, it, it's crazy. And not to get too political. Um, we just wanted to, you know, first and foremost, like my teammates, they, we all come from different backgrounds or, you know, we have all different perspectives and our own adversity that we face. Right. Uh, me coming from San Antonio, where, it's, you know, the majority of the population is Hispanic and going to Kentucky where you're the outcast, right? Like, you're the minority there. And I, we established this because, you know, I'm a brown-skinned minority. I, you know, we have a um, black American. We have two white dudes. And, like, it's just like we have all different shy, shades of color, right? But, you know, we all have this vision like man dude like it's crazy because we can all work together right we all bring our own strengths and perspective to this and let, let's try to do something uh, for the community that gave us so much which was Bowling Green Kentucky and let's try to bring my, more diversity
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and uh, awareness right like and we started this scholarship Um, we didn't think we were going to be able to get it in time for this year to, you know, to start the process of recipient, but uh, Western Kentucky, I mean, super awesome, man. They they got it done quick, man. They were really helpful and resourceful. And, you know, we have a lot of uh, special relationships in that community, you know, me and the rest of my guys and uh, we're all able to get it done. And and now, you know, we're going to start doing fundraisers and, we're going to start donating uh, from, from us individually. And, um, you know, there's different criteria that each recipient has to be able to get for the scholarship. And, you know, and we're, we're, we're tailoring it towards like the minority, you know, to give them an opportunity uh, to give them, you know, a leg up or, or give them a voice, right? Like give them a, a sense of like, hey, somebody's out here trying to make something good for someone like me. Um, And and that's, you know, what it is right now. And and we just launched it yesterday and we already got people that are are, are helping out and people are excited, you know, to host like a a golf tournament with all of us and having different raffles or, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome, man. And And it's good too, because we get to spend at least one time a year back in, our campus, our university, and, and still, you know, be in touch with uh, the fan base and the community and um, just, you know, try to help out in any way we can.
0: That's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. I was, I was excited to look at it and see you guys uh, put something like that together. Um, you no, know, it's good. It's always good to, to help give somebody that opportunity that maybe they, they wouldn't have had financially due to whatever reason. So, that's, that's pretty awesome that you guys are doing that. Yeah. You know, you talk about you and your teammates, uh, all different backgrounds and and um, ethnicities. Um, so w- without getting too political, like you said, but what is something that you think, given the current state of, of race in our country, the um, um, all the things that you see going on, what are some things that our country could learn from the locker room of an athletic program where we have all these people from different, backgrounds playing becoming a family and, and achieving you know a common goal
1: um it, it starts with leadership that's, that's the foundation man is the leadership is you know in in a basketball team it starts with the coach right he's he's the leader you know he tries to implement protocols rules and, and you know the good thing about our country is that you have the freedom to choose or not, right? Mm-hmm. But from my experiences, I think that when you lay down that foundation of leadership, a person or a human being in this matter can lose that focus along the way, right? But somewhere along a certain age or you know they mature or they always kind of come. Back to that foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, as a parent, is the way I see it, right? Like the foundation that we're laying out for our kids, uh, you know, they might get lost along the way, right? And, you know, I think eventually, you know, they have that moment where it's like they slowly start relying on all those that foundation that you established, the protocols, the leadership of your household. Um, but it comes from and in this instance for our country, it comes from leadership from up top, right? From the government, um, mandating protocols just to wear a mask. Like, like I, I don't. That's something I, was, I, I can't understand. You're gonna go somewhere public, just wear a mask, man. Like, well, what's, <laughs> what's, what's the big deal? Like, I, I, you know, nobody is taking away anything. Just be a decent human being for for your peers that 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 are amongst you, right? Like, if you can help somehow, some way, right? I'm I'm not doing it for me or quote unquote because of, you know, the, my age or the health, but I'm doing it for, you know, my grandpa, my the elderly, and, and more than all, I'm just being respectful. Like, I, yeah. it's not, it's not hard, man. We're <laughs> it's on not.
0: A mask. Like, wear it's a mask.
1: mask. Like it's that simple. Uh, and, you know, the other stance is I have a lot of, black American friends right a lot of my closest friends are are of color right and to me I'm a minority um Mexican American so like I, I've seen I felt firsthand a lot of uh stereotypes racial slurs and you know I, I think I mean I, sp- I I I want to speak for myself but I know a lot of my friends are just they're tired man they're tired of it they want to be heard like It's just like people just flip the script on everything. It's like, I mean, nobody is saying like, hey, not all lives matter. It's just like, like they just want to feel equal, right? Like I think of our history is like we have not given that, that same mutual respect. And and we haven't given those opportunities as well, like of like other other privileged uh, people and and you know my wife is from Indiana, right six foot one white as can be from Indiana from a farm and i I give her a lot of credit, man, because she she she's relentless's like she it's a lot harder for her to come out and speak her mind because of her being white right, and I give her a lot of credit because she is outspoken about it, and she knows where she lies and and then I just look at our marriages, like, you know, this Mexican from the inner city and this white girl from the farm, and how we're able to make it work. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people need to see more of uh, in international marriages or, or relationships. Like, it's a beautiful thing when everybody has their strengths, everybody has their perspectives, everybody can bring something to the table and learn from each other. It's, it's a beautiful thing when, when that clicks. Yeah. And I I think that's what's made America great is that it's so diverse, right? Like it's it's a country that's been established by immigrants. Like I, I that's another thing I don't understand. It's like you look at these top tiers of society like of business owners, CEOs and a lot of them are they're born in America but their parents were not from the United States and you know, I it's, it's tough, man, to see all this going on. And it's just crazy that our, from our history of like, things that went on in real life, like <laughs> things that have happened. And, and it just, I think it's just something that needs to be addressed and is being addressed. And I think it was, it, it, it's time, man. I think it's time for sure. Absolutely. I agree with you.
0: All right, let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. You know, you're a shooter. Uh, we talked about it, you know, you're you're an outstanding shooter from the perimeter especially. First off, that one-legged runner, is that something that just happened? Just <laughs> we're messing with it? Uh, you just – Yeah, I, uh, I started off in
1: practice doing it. <laughs> and I was like, why don't I do this shot? Because one of my weaknesses is when I come off a pick and roll – it's that small separation of the big kind of showing or zoning and then being self-aware of the defender, whether he's right behind me. So yeah. that little margin of space of that jump shot, mid-range shot, it, I just don't have it. Like I am too short. I don't jump high enough. So like I always feel my pre- the presence of the guy behind me is going to block my shot from behind or I always feel like that six ten guy that's in front can yeah. you know block the shot as well, so I started doing the runner because it was like in between that range where like I'm floating forward, so the guy behind me can block it from behind, and then usually when I do it, the guy that's the big in front is so caught off guard by the shot that he doesn't even react to it, yeah so. It, it's an easy shot. Like, honestly, it's not a hard shot. I think a lot of people can do it, but I think it's because it's been, it's not a traditional shot. And uh, I mean, you're a coach and I, I don't know, I'm pretty sure a lot of coaches would be I'll, like, what I'll, the I'll heck is that? My I
0: mind, I'll probably lose my mind if I saw my point guard coming off a pick, <laughs> uh, shooting a one-legged running three-pointer. Uh, but knowing he <laughs> hasn't practiced it, I know this is something you've probably done over and over and over and over again and making yeah. the read. And, and like, you're breaking it down, so I know you've thought about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, it's repetition, and it's,
1: it's a confident shot because you got to have the, the, the confidence to even take it and then to make it. So um, I remember the first time funny stories like when I went to Israel, the coach, I did it in practice, and he blew the whistle. He just stopped the <laughs> scrimmage, and he was like with this action, He's like, what the heck is that? And I was like, well, I'm just bringing it out now because you're going to see it in the game. So I thought I'll let you know now in practice that I'm going to shoot this shot. And he was like, okay, okay. If you you make it, okay. So it was just one of those shots. What what, what
0: can your coach say if you're going to make it more times than that, right? I mean. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. And I I think it, it, it helps in a way to grow as a coach too, right? Because the game is always changing, right? It's evolving. So, I mean, obviously it is like you don't want to see your point guard come in transition and take that
0: shot. But if he's making it and you give him that confidence and. Well, I'll say that if, if I know he can make it and if he's been, if this is something he's been working on, this ain't the first time he's, but he saw it on TV. So he wanted to try it. (laughs) Totally different. If I know it's something he's working on and part of his game, like you said, the game's always evolving. I mean, you've seen one footed runners in the paint. You've seen things of that nature, but but from, from downtown it's a little different, so but if he's working on it, then yeah I think I'd be a little more okay yeah,
1: I'm with it. Any, uh, players are hearing this right now right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man But you with know, practice and all these runners
0: <laughs> yeah everybody's shooting one foot the runners right I saw that episode with Orlando and he says it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't,
1: I'm not going to advise it or anything, but
0: you know as a from a series I think more.
1: Just recognize what your weakness
0: is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, from a shooter's perspective, you know, um, when you're by yourself or you got someone working with, with you, rebounding or whatever, um, what are some of the things you work on individually shooting-wise? You know, are you just catching and shooting off the dribble, pretending you're coming off screens? I mean, what is it that you, that you work on? Um, I try to visualize
1: a lot. A lot of my drills that I try to do with shooting is visualizations of, like, how they're going to play me on the ball and then how they're going to uh, play me off the pick and roll. So it's just a lot of constant repetition with footwork. And I do a, a lot of shots of, like, where throughout my career I know where I'm going to get, you know, the sweet spot. That's off the ball where I'm going to – where from the three-point line or where am i going to get my mid-range. So, I, I mean, it's just a lot of repetition. It's not no secrets of, like, what – I'm not doing anything fancy or I'm not jumping on one leg all the time. And yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's, uh, it's kind of what I wanted you to allude to. I, I was pretty sure that's what it was. I mean, there's no secret recipe. It's just repetition and work and and, and imagination. Like you said, you know, imagining – someone trailing you off of a screen and you're curling or or something to that effect
1: exactly it's just you know i mean i mean it's an industry now right like so you can see the business side point like now there's you know a lot of things that are tools that you can use while you're doing drills right you could put the dummies you could put all this stuff but at the end of the day man like you could use a chair a trash can like you just use whatever resources you have and then everything's imagination and repetition and then, you know, confidence that you've done it so many times that when it comes to the game, it's just a confident thing.
0: And I mean, I always try to do the same thing growing up. Uh, just imagining what that feeling was like to have someone on your, on your trailing you or, or closing out hard and they're tall and it's, or it's a game when it's shy, three seconds left. I mean, that imagination aspect of it, I think is huge. And I, and I hope more kids kind of, kind of understand that and uh, I'm not sure if they do or not because there's so many tools available that uh, I see I've seen kids that can shoot it in practice all day every day you know catch and shoot whatever but you put them in situations or game situations or trying to curl or trying to read a defense and flare um, all of a sudden it, you know they don't they don't have that maybe because they haven't worked on it who who's the uh the best shooter you've ever had a guard
1: The best shooter I ever had to guard. Oh man! I mean, I I I guarded Steph Curry during
0: the World Cup when we played against Team USA. That's all you got to say, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's arguably the best shooter of all time. Uh, he.
1: What's that like um, you know okay one another one that co- comes to mind. Well, it's a little different because he, he's not the best shooter that I had to guard, but because of his athletic ability and how and how is Wiggins Andrew Wiggins is another one that comes to mind where I had to follow him off of picks, but because he's so athletic and he gets his shot off so high and quick, there there was no way even putting a hand up yeah and his separation to get his shot to me was amazing like i felt like i was always with him and then for some reason when he was already shooting i felt like i was five feet away
0: <laughs> yeah
1: like it was just it was just a crazy I, I think that was when i i realized like man this dude just, i'm not gonna do anything to disrupt any like i'm gonna have to like take it to the old school and poke him in the stomach or something <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, if you can get there right uh you know, listening to Kobe one time talk, he was saying something about, you know, I'm just going to elevate. Uh, and at that point, it's just me in the rim. If I make it, I make it. If I miss it, I miss it. Not a whole whole lot the defender is going to be able to do. Exactly.
1: Like, that. I think that Andrew Williams, when he was doing that to me, it was, it was, oh, man. Like, it was, there's not much I can do. But, I mean, obviously, like, Steph coming out. You know, there's another dude that comes to mind. Man. He was my mentor, my rookie year his name is Leandro Garcia Morales. He, he is from Uruguay, played at Texas A&M. This dude can shoot, but this dude is probably one of the best at coming off of screens. Like With the he, ball or without the ball? Without the ball. Yeah. This dude, his footwork. Man, I, he, he was like the footwork and his movements – where like, it's like a boxer movements where, like, you know, you know you try to make contact, right, with the, the offensive player and you try to ride him off his hip or you try to cut him off. And this dude, like, whenever he felt or anticipated, like, he was able to just, like, move Absolutely. back and go the other direction. His change of direction was super quick. and Or you try to cut him off and he'll weasel his way into a, a down pick and, like, I learned so much from that dude, man. And, you know, it's another one of those guys. like People in an international Latin record for sure know who he's, he's a legend. He's probably by far the best Uruguay player. And when you say that name internationally, people that know, they're going to know who he is. But yeah. you say it out here, no one's going to know who he is because, you know, not NBA. Yeah. But, man, that dude coming off of screens. And, and then and the other thing, he was a great shooter too. So it wasn't not just... The footwork or the uh, maneuvering—it was like at the end of the day, he was a great shooter
0: too. Well, we'll have to try to tag him on social media so he hears that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this dude. This dude was my idol, man. This dude, like, I'm—I mean, think of all the greats: Luis Scola, uh, Manu Ginobili, all these guys. Like, they know who he is. Yeah. Like, they—they know who he is. Like, it's one of those guys where, like, he didn't play NBA or or. Barcelona or any of that but for sure had a lot of tools to be able to you
0: know, speaking of you know, basketball in Latin America and the whole deal South America um, Argentina how legendary is Manu Ginobili I mean seriously
1: I, I man this dude I mean it's like God man this dude's God for real like I, I think too though it's not just basketball when it comes to John obli i think it's a story i think is the generosity of of him as a human being as well like i think a lot of people that idolize him it's not just so much because of basketball i think it's just because of who he is what he stands for and what he's about man like he to me by far is uh probably my favorite basketball player of all time. And, and, and I tag on a lot of because of who he is as a father, who he is as just a, a member of to society. Yeah. Um, he, he, my influence is based off of the, the, the total package. And yeah. this dude is God out there, man. Everybody respects him. Everybody loves him. Like, he's not like this character or this personality that's just, you love him or hate him, right? Like he's not like a hard person to, to get along with, I, I, I've never heard anything, anyone bad or anything about him, man. Everybody loves him. Everybody appreciates and everything he's done is just incredible.
0: I thought I'd ask. I mean, I, wasn't, I didn't plan to ask that, but as we were talking about basketball uh, down there in Latin America, I figured, I mean, he's got to be, you no, know, the guy the pinnacle
1: of everything. Yeah, for sure. He's up there and, um, yeah. He's out there
0: for sure. Well, as we close this out, man, uh, you know, you're, you're an icon in the Latin uh, basketball community, especially here in, in town, right, for Latino basketball. Um, you carry yourself. You talk about Ginobili, but you carry yourself as a professional and, and you carry yourself the right way, so you're very well respected. Um, and so it's very inspirational to a lot of the younger generation. And like, like your dad said, you don't realize sometimes maybe how much your word can carry and so what, what is something that you would say to end this uh, to maybe some, somebody in the younger generation aspiring to not only be the next Orlando, Méndez Valdez, but to be, just to be great at whatever it is that they want to do?
1: I, I would say everything that it would take is just repetition and consistency in not just basketball, but just your daily life of waking up, Making your bed, having structure, having a routine, but it's just you'll come across different points of your life where you're gonna need confidence, where you're gonna need positive reinforcement or you're gonna but the root of it all is just that worth ethic and doing repetition of the same boring things every day to be consistent with it. It's the most important ingredients to me that you need. Uh, it's not high flashy things. There's not these tools. There's not any of that. It's just being, making things simple, efficient, and boring. It's really what it comes down to, man. It's just, yeah, you know, and it, it gets a little hairy here and there, right? You need, you need confidence and you need the right people of support. You need the right opportunities That come along your way but when all this kind of meshes those ingredients are the most important thing to be able to capitalize on those opportunities and whatever comes your way
0: Absolutely, absolutely brother Well, I appreciate you man, I appreciate you taking time out uh, to hang out and talk Um, good to see you, haven't seen you in a while and and, and I'm glad you and your family are doing well and staying healthy and staying busy
1: Likewise man, I think I got to I mean, thank you for having me, and then more than that, everything that you're doing for the community, you know, basketball-wise, uh, I think it's refreshing to see how you have no bias towards anybody. Uh, I mean, you can sit down with your rival head coach that you face every time, and, you know, you see the bigger vision, right? You have a genuine cause for everything, and it's just awesome to see, bro, because – it's just hard to see when there's a lot of hatred or there's um, groups or there's like, you know, it's a small market, right? of basketball and everybody thinks they invent this stuff or even in business, right? Like they don't want to give out any information because for some reason they feel like they invented this, like, but no, there's so much for everyone. And I think it's awesome to be able to see you putting all this platform, right? That takes time. That, that, that takes generosity in your part uh, to bring a community together in the basketball world or, or just life in general and giving everybody a voice. And I mean, I know how you, all those pickup runs that you do where it's just guys from all over the city come and play just something that simple where it's like a universal city thing. It's not like this side, that side, this person, this person. It's like you're trying to connect everybody. And as you got to say, man, you're doing an amazing job of taking all the steps to, to where you're
0: at now. Well, I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. It really does. It really does. Well, so if there's something you need along the way, uh, you know, just hit me up. You know how to get a hold of me. And, and, uh, and thank you, man, for your time. I know I know, we talked quite a bit, but, you know, it was a good conversation.
1: Oh, for sure, man. Anytime, man. I like your new mic. It's yeah.
0: Upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, sound, it sounds a lot better. I don't know if you can hear it, but whenever I, I do the playback, I was like, oh, this is so – I don't know why I didn't buy a mic sooner. You know, but no, no. but to be honest, when I did this, it was it was just you know just an idea, and then it kind of grew into this whole thing. So say, well, let me invest yeah. in a microphone. Why not?
1: A lot of successful and, and respectful respectable people have came across your thing now. So yeah, it's pretty
0: big, man. It's awesome. I appreciate you, brother.
1: No problem, man. Have
0: a good one. You too. You have guys. a good day. Take care, Take care of the fam, and we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Sir, we'll talk to you later.